That is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange eons, even death may die. Welcome to another episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. As always, I'm Nate, lost in time and space, and joined with my fellow co-hosts. I'm Man from Lang, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. And I am Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I have Doppelgang Nathan and taken over forever. Uh, all hail. Are you other Nathan now? Um, no, I am Nathan. One Wait. of many. All right. Nathans. Whoa. Okay. I understand now. There you go. Uh, so how you guys doing? Yeah, amazing. Doing great. Nice. Great. Independence nice. Day was nice. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I had to work, so. Is that Jeff Goldblum or no? Who was that? Will Smith? What? Both. It was oh, both. The, the movie. Oh, They were, they yes. were both in it. Yeah, it was both That's of what them. I thought. That's what I thought. Don't mess with me like that. <laughs> Nobody was affected by the earthquake. No, mm, California, no, not on the East Coast because that's so. that is a sign of Cthulhu's mm. coming. You know, uh, I'm sure if you went to the South Pacific, there would be an island that's crept above the waves. Nice, very nice. Did you enjoy Canada Day, man? Yeah, I had to work. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel you on that Everyone front. Had to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, to give our listeners some behind-the-scenes news here, we recently recorded our next episode of our newly dubbed series, the Beyond the Veil series, where we interview various uh, game developers and writers, and um, we had the chance to sit down with Gareth Ryder Hanrahan who is an RPG writer and novelist for Pelgrine Press, um, well-known for his work in tons of RPGs. That was a great interview, by the way. I really enjoyed that. Are you talking about our first interview with Shane? The first interview with Shane, and then I've also snuck in and listened to you interview Gareth. Amazing. Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was, an, it, was a, it was a nice chance to get to pick his brain a little bit about Cthulhu City and just writing for um, a bunch of stuff mythos games in general yeah it was neat yeah he's he's done so much for mythos gaming and storytelling it's it's pretty incredible all the stuff he's done mm-hmm. I learned that the answer to everything is not more tentacles yes Ooh, <laughs> that's yes, deep he, he did, that actually he would did, be yeah. the best fortune cookie ever <laughs> if I ever got that in a fortune cookie, oh man! <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, that would be the creepiest one. That's yep. Um, in other news, uh, before we kick off tonight's show, uh, we have officially announced our Patreon. Um, so if you feel like you want to sponsor the show in any way, um, we've gone ahead and set that up. We have multiple tiers, um, access to special channels in our Discord server, um, early access to episodes of our podcast, along with um, being uh, having your name written on our website on the Wall of Eternal Praise, among other rewards as well. Um, 
We're also looking to set up monthly games with our patrons, um, whether it be Arkham Horror or Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu. Um, whatever Mythos game uh, tickles our fancy, I guess, for that month, we're going to try and set up games with our patrons. So, Cthulhu Dice. Yeah, or Cthulhu <laughs> Wars or what have you. You know, There's tons of, tons of ridiculous stuff. Or we could even play WrestleNomicon. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so we've gone ahead and set that up, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash thegreatoldonesgaming. And we appreciate anyone that um, that sponsors us. And, yeah. Um, Nathan, how about our, our meetup? Any more information about details on that? Absolutely. Uh, it's not happening as such. So... What we decided is just to give people time to kind of prepare for it, etc. I really wanted to kind of push it back to early 2020. Um, that way we can, if anybody needs to make plans, uh, we can flesh out the schedule. We can get some prizes. But I am thinking for October, we do probably want to get together and do just a casual event and inv- invite people from the community, spread the word, um, because... We have a lot of people in Portland that are, are playing all the time. Yeah. So, plus, I'm not exactly sure how this year's invocation is going to fall. And I don't want to basically have a big event followed by an invocation the next weekend. Although, in my heart of hearts, I would not be upset. Yeah, definitely. October's a, October's a really good month for Lovecraft here in Portland, so um, we can we can get a nice group together for just a ca- more casual thing. Should then... we rename October something with Cthulhu, like Cthulhu-tober? I don't know. I feel like it needs to change. Cthulhu. I mean, it does have an H. Cthulhu is cool, yeah. <laughs> if anything, it changes to that. All right, that I'm gonna now just, I'm just going to be talking to people casually. The Terminator comes over, so we're coming again in October. Octhulu, yes. <laughs> That'll be the nineteenth uh, of Octhulu. <laughs> the entire month. We just oh my God! My <laughs> wedding anniversary is in Octhulu. This is like the best <laughs> lifetime ever. She'll my love nephew, that. My wife will love that. My nephew Nathan's uh, birthday is in Octhulu. It's, it's weird, Uncle Vase. Yeah. Ah, yes. Too many Nathans in this world. Well, oh, can I just <laughs> say something real quick? Can I just say, you botanist sack of crap, that there are not too many Nathans in this world? Thank you very much. Machete. So yeah, so all Octhulu month long, you know, we'll have plenty of Octhulu jokes, I'm sure. Oh, I'm going to get a t-shirt made. You have no idea. <laughs> awesome. Happy um, Octhulu. We yeah, should put so a banner on our website with that. <sighs> Happy Octhulu. All right, I'll I'll get it commissioned. We'll make it happen. Yes. Yeah, we'll make we'll make it happen. Um, in other shopkeeping news, I have arranged for drum roll, please, Nathan. Uh, drum rolling. Oh, that's, that's what you meant—the tongue thing. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was beautiful. Thank you. Uh, we will be having. Matt Newman himself on the show. Oh, well, crap. Hooray. Now you're going to make me look like an Woo. ass in front of Matt. Oh, no. Jesus. I think you would have gone blah, 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 blah. Maybe Matt's an ass man and you'll be fine. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> man, this conversation has got real weird. I just went Psyduck. Uh, what? It went sidewards. Side side, it went sidewards. real sidewards. 
Um, and the last piece of shopkeeping news before we get into tonight's main topics, we have winners to announce from our previous show's giveaway for the Orbits pins. So I went ahead and had the guys pick one random person from our Discord channel, and we picked Solar J, Darth Jojo, and Spot H3D. So if you guys could go ahead and send me a message in Discord, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll ship those out to you. Yeah, and tonight's show we're going to be discussing um, Vase's recent experience with running a game of Delta Green. Uh, Man from Lang has been streaming the Sinking City, so we're going to have a chance to sit down and talk with him about the Sinking City. I feel lazy. A little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> and the Mythos pack in the Clutches of Chaos was released, so we're going to go ahead and share our first impressions of the player cards from that. And from there, we're going to go ahead and see if we have time to build a deck for the fan-made scenario, or a fan-made investigator, Kate Winthrop. And then from it? there we'll, and from there we'll move into Nathan's trivia time. We'll keep trivia the time. The trivia time. We'll keep the fans' name secret. I believe Nathan also has a custom uh, scenario that he wants to talk. Yeah, about, maybe so. Nathan's got a little more to dish out there, Nate. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so bad. Sh- you know, I just want to say I don't know who's going to win trivia tonight, but I'm not going to make it easy. I think well. I think I should get a few extra <laughs> points because <laughs> I, I got your back there. Fair enough. Yeah, I give yeah. Man from Lang six out of five points. Just a head start there. That yeah, just, he just wins. That's, yeah, right. that seems, that's seems fine. Yeah. Well, Vase, you uh, you had a chance to finally play some Delta Green. How was it? I did. Um, it was mixed, and it wasn't because of the game itself. So the, the game uh, is just fantastic. Uh, whoever has played Delta Green knows... Whoever hasn't played Delta Green, I highly recommend if you're into role-playing games to give it a shot with your group. Um, it involves a lot more role-play and um, critical thinking and investigation and just figuring stuff out. It's a skill-based game, so there's a lot less combat. The scenario I picked was Control Group from uh, the recently released, uh, or um, Sick Again from the recently released Control Group uh, book which was a really, really creepy scenario about an outbreak. I did a lot of prepping for it. Um, Things started off really well. My group was creeped out from the very beginning. But the group that I played with was my regular Dungeons & Dragons group. And I think that's where I made uh, a bit of a a mistake. Um, I think... I I take most of the blame for things kind of going sideways a little bit. I think that... um, D&D groups, if, if you're going to play with someone who's used to playing Dungeons & Dragons or a more, you know, kick the door down and just hack and slash everything, the, uh, laying down the foundation of what this game is and how it differs from D&D is extremely important. Setting down the expectations for it, and I think I didn't do that very well. Because they, they wanted to kill things and they wanted to do things their own way and kick doors down. And in this game, you kind of have to be a little bit more diplomatic and follow laws and stuff and keep things on the low down so yeah i mean things at the end kind of went a little sideways and, and a big chunk of it was skipped because the players were trying to play like if they were playing D D. um so a uh, big lesson learned from that and for anyone who's listening if you're interested in playing delta green with a group that plays that type of role-playing game regularly definitely set down the expectations but uh 
my group did want to play again at the end we kind of went over what went well what went wrong and everyone seemed really excited to try it again and do it the right way next time so i can't wait to see how it goes then yeah i think if if you uh if, if you make a the switch from D D to to games like call of cthulhu and delta green it, it can be quite a quite jarring because i know speaking from a cthulhu perspective if you if you go in there with the intention of killing everything, you are going to be mincemeat pretty quickly. And so, yeah, I think laying down the expectations is a pretty important thing to do, But especially if the group isn't familiar with that sort of more investigative style of play. Yeah, one of the players was not a D&D player, and he enjoyed it immensely. The, the closest thing he'd played to it was a, a board game called um, Sherlock Holmes... Uh, consulting detective and when he said that it reminded him of that but with more with dice rolls and more at stake and more random things that can happen I kind of saw like what he meant by that so um, yeah so someone who's just played board games I think would be a little bit um, easier to bring in but someone who's used to those kind of role-playing games it's definitely important to not just emphasize but re-emphasize and re-emphasize that things have to go a little bit different in this type of game um, but overall, like the, the horror theme uh, of it was, it really came out, like came across. I, I never thought a role-playing game would be able to, to deliver that kind of, uh, of flavor and feeling and fear. Like my players were actually scared for a bit, um, that they were just all going to die. It was, it was great. It was fantastic. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. What moment do you think uh, stands out, or what moment stands out the most for you in that scenario, Vase? Hmm, I think the moment that stands out the most would have to be, I mean, what, do you want me to give spoilers or not give spoilers? Um, three, two, one, yes. Okay, so uh, let me just kind of explain the storyline and then I'll, I'll kind of give you what I thought. Uh, so the, the scenario is an outbreak, and the they're called the agent uh initially they're not agents uh, this scenario is meant for people who are not in delta green and introduce them into the program so it's kind of like their backstory of how they got into delta green so they're all either scientists or doctors or whatever and they work for the cdc and they're brought into this small town in arizona where this uh, mysterious disease has overtaken some some people and, and some people have already and, died. And hold it. on just a second, because if I'm a little confused, other people might be too. I don't know mm -hmm. a ton about Delta Green. Delta Green is basically kind of like the MIB program where it's investigators against Cthulhu. Is that right? Um, kind of. Uh, I'll get to that. So, okay. uh, yeah, because this is how this introduces it. You basically just start off as a scientist or a doctor and this outbreak is happening and as you start kind of questioning the patient's uh, family members and the patients and, and trying to figure out and nail down where, you know, patient zero is and where this is coming from, and at the same time trying to figure out how to, how to prevent it from spreading and how to find a cure, like you have all these things that you have to juggle. Um, the the investigate or the uh, agents eventually learn that patient zero lives in this one house, and when they get to that house, it turns out, that this patient or that this uh, this person was actually a scientist. Her and her husband uh, used to work for the government, and they were trying to do some experimentation with time travel. And they 
she was fired because the, the government wanted to stop doing this, this experimentation because they actually opened a loop into the future. It was a closed loop. Um, but she decided to continue the experiments at home and ended up opening another loop. And then when she did that, it was like two, 2.3 seconds she opened this time loop. And within that time, something came through, uh, through the loop. And it turns out it was this woman from, from like 300 years in the future uh, where mankind has been enslaved by something. At least they just imply that that's what happened. But when she travels back, she brings with her a disease from the future. Um, so basically, uh, the investigators end up having to um, meet up with these FBI agents who turn out to be Delta Green agents. And Delta Green, they kind of explain at the end uh, how Delta Green is just like this secret government agency. It's all off the books and un unofficial. And they just try to keep things, keep people from learning that the mythos is a thing. Uh, just to keep mankind blind about it to and to keep them safe. So they try to cover up anything that's that happens to be mythos related. And so that's the basis of this Delta Green team. They come down and help the the players um, kind of cover this up. And if the players don't play along, they end up getting like bad things happen to them. Um, the thing is, the investigators, the so the way the scenario goes goes through, the investigators have a point where they realize it's a new disease that they're encountering, and this is before they find out that it's a disease from the future, and since it's a new disease and they're high up in the CDC, they have to name the disease. So, the aha moment or the great moment in this scenario for me and what blew the players away was when they meet up this nine nine foot tall woman and they're she's just trying to attack them and fight them because she's scared. Uh, she has a tattoo on her arm showing what, that she was indoctrinated for all these diseases, and the disease that the players named is one of the tattoos on her arm. And yeah. that's a, yeah, that's how they realize she's from the future. So it was really cool. that The players were just blown away by that, and uh, the way it worked Neat. out. Like, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So have you played, have you played a lot of Call of Cthulhu? I have never played Call of Cthulhu. It'd be interesting to hear what you have to say after you play that compared with uh, Delta Green, just to kind of get a full perspective. Definitely. Yeah, I would be interested to hear in your, your opinions between the two systems, too, Vase. Um, yeah, moving on to our next topic. Uh, man, you've had the chance to recently play a lot of The Sinking City on your stream, and I was curious to know what you think about it so far. Yeah, I've... Uh... I think I've put about three or four hours in so far. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying it. The uh, I was uh, somebody was asking me on uh, my channel what I thought about it, and uh, the uh, I think I come from a from sort of an old school perspective where when I started playing uh, Call of Cthulhu, I was really attracted to the idea that they. The mythos was this thing that's that's hidden and and sort of influencing everyday events and it's only if you really do some digging that you uncover the mythos and and come face to face with it so there's constantly this this terror involved that you know there's there's something just around the corner out of sight that is uh influencing things and and you sort of go through these steps before you come face to face with the the mind blasting terror and the sinking city has sort of is the exact opposite of that. I mean, the city in question, uh, Oakmont, Massachusetts, is just 
drenched in in Cthuloid uh, stuff. You know, there's there's tentacles lying all over. There's squid bodies lying all over the place. The city buildings are being corrupted by the coral from the ocean. There's deep one hybrids walking among the people. There's like cultists walking among the people. Um, there are monsters just roaming the streets that you can run into. So it's it's really sort of there's a Lovecraftian theme there, but it's very much in your face. So I think that sort of mitigates the terror quite a bit when you're constantly coming in to to fight these these monsters. There are some the uh, the puzzles themselves aren't that I haven't found them that difficult. Um, although I should mention there were there have been certain parts in the game where I probably wouldn't have been able to get through them without help from people who had already experienced it because there are some like there was one room there was one area where there's like an illusionary wall that I would never have discovered unless somebody had pointed it out to me like it was it's just not obvious what you need to do to find hey, it question for you uh, concerning your topic so do you think they should have been a little more subtle with the whole influence or did it have to be so like in your face and pulpy for a reason uh, I think they had to go pulpy. I I don't th- I don't think they were trying to make a, you know, a s- sort of slow burn game where you, you know, you're peeling away the layers of the onion until you get to the, the the horrific center. I think this was just like they they're throwing all of the, all of the Cthulhu tropes at you, like my, uh, the character Charles Reed who's sort of a, a Joe Diamond. Uh, stand in with the bloodshot eyes he's always having visions and and uh, you have this special ability that you sort of go into this i'm not it's not a dream state but it's like this mystical state where you can see things that happened in the past and so it's all very you know compared to like a a typical say call of cthulhu scenario it's really over the top and in your face and and I think that I mean that's what they that's what they wanted to do. It's not it's not subtle. I mean, one of the first characters you meet is is obviously a deep one hybrid. So it's it's not like they're trying to to keep it hidden from you. And the you know just the way the city is is constructed. You know, it's it's flooded. It's filled with monsters. It's so. It sounds but very I've squishy en- when you. I've enjoyed it. Town. I mean, I'm having fun. The, the uh, the uh, combat controls are a little wonky. I've never been uh, particularly good at first-person shooters, so trying to shoot some of these monsters has been uh, has been tricky. But I'm starting to get the hang of it. So overall, I mean, I would recommend it. Um, I'm enjoying the story so far. I'm not that far into it, but uh, I've enjoyed what I've what I've experienced so far. Well, that's good. Did you you didn't happen to play the other um, Call of Cthulhu game that came out last year? Did you? No, I'm gonna stream that one next to uh, to compare to compare and contrast the the two games to see uh, to see how that one does. I think it's sort of the similar where you're going to sort of one of these um, Massachusetts towns that's uh, run down, but I think it's a lot more in a in a traditional vein where there's not uh dead squid lying all over the 
lying all over the city and whatnot. It's more a little more atmospheric, I guess. Yeah, and it's based on the actual Call of Cthulhu roleplay game mechanics too. So, have you played oh, that yeah. one? I have not, but um, I've watched people play it, so I'm familiar with it, but not intimate with it, I guess. But speaking of missing things, I happen to miss the uh, release day for In the Clutches of Chaos, but Aww. since we're recording this episode, I figured we'd uh, share our first impressions of the player cards. Um, oh, guys, yeah. are there any any cards that jump out to you immediately? Yes. Nathan, go for it. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take this um, actually what I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna defer to vase because I want to hear what the botanist has to say <laughs> um, well the agency backup is amazing but they, they revealed that one a while ago um, it doesn't I make it that, not amazing though right definitely right. it's mm-hmm. it's a phenomenal card I wish Carolyn could take but for other guardians, should we should we cover should we cover the cards so that people aren't in the dark? Yeah, Nathan, yeah. why don't you go ahead and read that? Okay. Um, well, I apologize. I just want to make sure I was on the right track. But Vase, you'd pointed out agency backup. Were you impressed with the card? Were you just impressed with the seven cost of the card? Tell us <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, for for guardians. Oh, so I guess I'll uh, I'll go over the card then. Were you going to read it first before my thoughts? Okay, so agency backup. It's a seven cost, uh, five experience point ally for guardians. Has uh, willpower, intellect, and combat pips. And, excuse me. It reads, agency backup may be assigned damage and or hard dealt to other investigators at your location. In free action, you can exhaust it to deal one damage um, to an enemy at your location, and then it takes a damage. And then as a free action, instead, you can do one horror to it and deal horror to, or discover a clue at your location. It just so. give horror to all enemies at your location. Yes, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? But, uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome because it, it has four um, health and four horror, so you can basically do this, do three of one and four of the other. So discover four clues and deal three damage, or discover three clues and deal four damage before it, it dies. And or you, you could, could play Trusted. <clears throat> yeah, you could and do a bunch could... of shenanigans like mm-hmm. that. Like trusted could... or calling in favors and reset it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, calling it's... in favors, you'd have to get seven resources again, but... Or have another copy and play yeah. and, and have in your hand or in you know in your deck somewhere and then it'll yeah, just come that's... right down. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you pay for it? The cost is prohibitive. Um, I think, I think well, not Zoe just prohibitive. Can... It's expensive. Yeah, uh, Zoe and Leo can afford them. I think it's maybe meant for Leo more than any other guardian, because of of any of the guardians, I think he can afford it the the best. Uh, definitely, Mark is someone who probably will have problems paying for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, it's it's a really good ally. It's really strong. It's very, very expensive, but for what you get, I think it's totally worth it. It's definitely very flashy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not creeping around the shadows. It's like, boom, bitches, we're here. Where are the tentacles at? Yeah, pretty much. That's a very apt analogy, I would say. Um, like Rapper the Rapper. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what are what are the uh, like? What are some cards that jump out to you? Well, the other ones that were spoiled in the uh, in the preview article months ago. I mean, Diana and Deny Existence are both um, very very good. Uh, I'm sort of curious about Anna Kaslow, the mysterious soothsayer. She costs three, four, costs three resources, four experience points. She's got a willpower or a wild skill icon and uh, one health and one sanity. She's the uh, new ally who gives you two additional tarot slots. And if she begins uh, play in your opening hand, you get to put her into play. And when she enters play, you get to search your deck for a tarot asset and put her into play. So I could see... It'll be interesting to see whether the, there is a tarot-based deck that uh, that uh, someone can come up with. I, I saw somebody had uh, pitched the idea of uh, Safina because she starts with 13 cards in her opening hand, so she can uh, draw somebody like Anna as well as a bunch of tarot assets and drop them all on the table on the first turn and start with... Uh, uh, and also maybe Lola because she can play all of the tarot assets as well as Anna. So with her, if you have her in your opening hand, uh, theoretically, if you have her and a tarot in your opening hand, you could start the game with an ally and two tarot cards in play before you take your first action. Yeah. Actually, That's if crazy. you had two tarot in your hand, one in your deck and her, you could start the game with... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, you, you can start with her and three tarot cards if you if you get the god draw and you're <laughs> sure. But that's going to cost you probably. I mean, you'd want to spend eight for Anna, and then tarot cards are one apiece, so you're going to spend eleven probably. But if they start in your opening fourteen. No, no, I'm talking experience. about experience, oh, experience point cost. So we're talking. We're looking at like fourteen experience points. The, the problem with having a tarot-centric deck is the lack of pips. I never thought I'd hear the word tarot-centric. Yeah, I mean, if you have, let's say you have six tarot cards in your deck, right, just to make it kind of viable, that's six cards out of your 30-card deck, one-fifth of your deck, that you can't commit to test at all. That's kind, yeah. of, that's kind of rough. But so you'd far, need to, I mean, maybe somebody like, like, what is, who can take, uh, like, somebody like, who can take cornered, maybe? So you can mm-hmm. pitch those without having to uh, pitch them for plus two. Oh, good point. Yeah. Or when so, you, oh, wouldn't, that's true. You, so Cal- you wouldn't need pips. Do you think Calvin would be a good? Um... Yeah, maybe Calvin might might be. Uh... The problem is she's only got one health and one sanity, which is pretty. She's pretty squishy. Like she can't take any hits for you, and if she does take one hit, and you're if you but if you go all in on the tarot strategy and you've got three tarot cards, suddenly you you end up getting wiped out in one. Like that's pretty risky, and there are there are enough cards that attack allies depending on which campaign you're playing in. Like, which one is it? Um, is it Path to Carcosa has the ones that that uh, will snipe your allies? I think actually Dunwich Legacy has some too. And Forgotten Age. And Forgotten Age, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was playing the Circle Undone, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but one of the scenarios, one of the first cards I drew did four damage to myself and any of my allies, and I was playing Ashcan Pete. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that's brutal. So, side note, if I draw randomly, if I get the, the tower, tarot, weakness, I'm going to spend a little money down the way or experience and get Anna so I can pull that out of my deck and just get it out of the way and get a little uh, yeah, ally she's, love in the she, process. Yeah, she is good to get rid of the... To get The other thing about her, though, is that, like... She is she is taking up your ally slot and sort of once she's done her stuff at the beginning of the game, she doesn't do anything else. Uh-huh. She's essentially is, just providing two additional pips or two additional buffs to whatever yeah, stat of you're like choosing. You, you, she really front loads everything, and I'm not sure I'd be willing to to sacrifice my ally slot for for something like that. I mean that the tarot cards are good, but I find like once you once you get them down, they just I mean that's it, right? You've you're not uh, she's not going to do anything else for you for the rest of the game whereas somebody like if you're playing survivor, somebody like uh, Peter is going to is going to do work for you every single turn or Lola Santiago and Rogue or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So then so if you want if you want Anna, then you're gonna have to pay another three for for charisma on top of that. So you now you're up to seventeen or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely and, a very dedicated build. Yeah, and all you've got out of that is a charisma, two Annas, and then a bunch of tarot cards. So I don't know, it might work. It's yeah, it's possible. I think it definitely depends on the investigator because you need to I think the investigator that wants to do something like that either has to have their own kind of mini game going on, like Calvin or Lola, where you know they they really need the extra stats or the extra slots, or they have to be an investigator that really just like stacks one one ability to the maximum. So I think like a mystic with high willpower, for instance, might be a good candidate too. And yeah. If, um, but that's just my thought on Anna anyway. Um, the, yeah, the other ally, uh, Diana Esperance, is pretty interesting, too. Um, she is a... You want to read her off? Sure. She is a mystic asset that costs four resources. It's three experience. has two willpower icons. She has three health and one sanity. Uh, she comes into play with three secrets and has a free action that says... Attach a non-weakness spell event from your hand to Diana Aspirants. Uh, limit one event attached to her. The attached event may be played as if it were in your hand, and if it is not placed into your discard after it is played, it remains attached, and as an additional cost to play the attached event, you exhaust Diana Aspirants and spend a secret. So, that's cool. You could essentially have, like, three Deny Existences, or three Wards of Protection, yeah, she's she's quite good, I think. She's there's lots of different non-weakness spell events that you can play around with that I think uh, even uh, like the new the new investigator from um the Dream Eaters like Luke, I think uh like Gate is Gate would could he play his uh, that clo- open gate card off that? I'm not sure. Oh, um, maybe. Yes, I believe so. I believe that is. A I'm not sure card. how that would actually work, though, because if it's on her, I think you have to attach it to the. To yeah, the you table, have to attach so. it to the location. Yeah, so. so that probably won't work. But 
you know, there's there's lots of like he does like events, so I could see her definitely slotting in with with him. So he gets like a magic event he can play multiple times per game. Yeah, just just on the fact that deny existence and water protection exist in Mystic, she could fit into pretty much any Mystic deck, I think. I mean, even you know, even Diana, who's not really good at uh, spells and things like that, definitely wants something like this because um, she can just keep canceling. I I wonder how that would work though. The can the card wouldn't go under Diana then. No, it wouldn't. No. no. So maybe, but she still benefits off canceling in some way, doesn't she? I can't remember what. No, it's else? only if you put the card underneath there you get to uh, gain a resource and draw a card. But um, uh, but it is nice in the fact that you can kind of get more mileage out of one card. Yeah. In a sense. Um, and, and the other... And the fact the that she has that, three health, too. I was going to say that, yeah. that That's huge yeah. for Mystic. It's, it's a class that pretty much universally is very low on health. What do you guys think about the other Mystic card in the pack? The level five Deny Existence card. It's bonkers. Yeah. It's amazing. It's incredibly good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that you're going to be paying five experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. I've been waiting for that to play in a Diana deck for since they spoiled it. It's crazy, crazy. So good. ridiculous. I mean, there's there's three times in your life that you think to yourself, wow, I am really glad I'm alive right now. And all three of them is when you buy this for five experience and put it in your deck. All right, Nathan. So what does this card do? God, pressure much. You, well, you didn't read uh, it's the last purplish. one. So. It's purplish in color. Uh, it has a weird triangle eye thing. It looks mystical. Oh, got it. Uh, zero cost, five experience event, question mark, fast. Oh, it's a spell paradox. Fast, whenever you encounter, whenever an encounter card or enemy attack would cause you to do one of the following choose one discard cards from your hand lose resources lose actions take damage or take horror you ignore that aspect of the effect then perform the opposite of that aspect once again draw cards gain resources gain additional actions heal damage or heal horror respectively so i mean <clears throat> how cool is that boom you've lost two actions actually i've gained two so you're up to six for the round now it's uh it's just a nice even if it doesn't quite work as well as in our minds we think it will, it's one of those cards you just like to hold. It's like um, Ward of Protection with two experience and you're just watching your fellow investigators draw or Premonition where you want to windmill slam it down and be like, boom, that's the next card. This one's just one you want to hold and savor in your hand. You know, I, I think it'd be fun. But like this card allows you to do, like Mystics can't do most of these things without this card like card draw is not common in mystic gaining resources is not all that common certainly gaining additional actions is not something mystics have access to uh, routinely and healing damage is like for the for squishy mystics being able to to turn a a hit into a heal is is pretty pretty awesome so what do we think about the new... We have new permanents for the first time in, in a while. We've got Studious, the uh, the Seeker permanent, which costs 3 XP, and you start your start the game with an additional card. And we also have the Rogue permanent, 
another day another dollar which costs 3 XP and you start the game with two additional resources I like both of them yeah um, I think the secret one's a little stronger uh, but the fact that you can have two of them in play yeah it'll cost you six experience points but I mean rogues can start with four extra resources every every game once they have two of them out that's that's pretty uh, game changing right there yeah that makes cards like Dario and, and all those ones that depend on having X resources a little easier to swallow if you can if you're getting that boost right off the bat that's very true yeah and it makes things like if you're not playing with taboos like higher ed much easier to accomplish while still being able to establish your board yep um yeah, they're they're interesting cards. It's hard to say, just because they're kind of so, I guess, generically good. Like yeah. resources are always good, and cards are always good. So it's hard to evaluate them specifically. I think, their I think their biggest benefit is with the fact that they help you get get off to a good start. Kind of like, um, not prepared for the worst. What's that one? That guardian one where you could just put three. Stick to the plan. plan. Stick to the plan. So, like, that one helps you get started with a bang, right? So, because you already know what cards you can start with. You can either do Ever Vigilant, that kind of stuff, a cash, emergency cash on there. These help you start the game already with, you know, basically ahead of the game. And uh, that's huge because sometimes you can start the game and if you get set back in the beginning, uh, you, you may never recover from it. Whereas if you start with a bit of a head start then you know at least you can afford a couple of setbacks and and these cards help you do that yeah and i think three three experience seems a little expensive but probably fair for an effect like that um yeah i don't i don't think you could make them cheaper than three yeah i would agree because then you double up on them so much it's so much easier to play two of them and and I mean, there's no limit to the number of permanents you can have. So, yeah, you could you could do some pretty silly things. Um, what about any of the other cards? Are there anything else that jumps out to you guys? Child by fire. Well, I mean, there's they're all good in different ways. Which one did you want to catch next? Trial by fire. Trial by fire. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, it's a survivor card. It's an event with one question mark pip, three cost event. Uh, it's a fast uh, action. It play only during your turn. Choose one of your skills until the end of your turn. Set the base value of that skill to five. So that uh, for Calvin players, that's tremendous. But pretty much any survivor. I mean, this this one is pretty big. Preston likes it too. Oh yeah, Even Preston. Yeah, Preston Rita really likes, likes this it. too. Yeah, like any all the survivors tend to have like some sort of weak point that they that they want to that they could use like that help to to boost it i i don't know like i know somebody like wendy adams like with her woeful combat like i don't know if i would be playing trial by fire in her because i think it really depends on what your what the purpose of the investigator is like if you're playing wendy as an evasion like that dodge tank wendy 
style. I don't think you'd need a card like this because you're not really ever planning to fight, so you never need. Like a combat skill of five isn't useful to you. Whereas whereas somebody like um, like Calvin and Preston who were woeful across the board, this thing is a godsend for them because they can dial up whatever skill they need for that turn. Say that, you know, survivors that have like a weakness in one skill, they tend not to use that skill anyway. So it's so it's not necessarily that you would need this card all the time. I think it would really depend on what you're trying to do. Like if I was playing, say, William York and I was playing solo and I needed to investigate, then absolutely. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make is that it's not... I would I would play this card because I need that five intellect sometimes. But if I was well, playing you multiplayer... You could always use that card no matter what situation. Um, yeah, possibly. I think it really depends on what, what you're playing, like what what your role is again like if you're if you're playing Yorick say multiplayer and you're the combat person you know you could probably get your natural base value will be higher than five or like you'll be able to get it above five I guess set it what it what is his four yeah. So you're spending. You'd be right. spending three. You'd be spending three resources to get one yeah, but I don't additional. See this, I don't see this as your main, right? I would say we, we've all had situations where all of a sudden the seeker goes down or is incapacitated or something, and somebody's got to pick up the slack for clues. Boom! You make somebody a super seeker, or you make someone who can't fight for crap a fighter. I mean, I think that's where it shines. Yeah, yeah, like a switch of role. Yeah, I would definitely um, agree. I think also, like, the especially rogues who can splash survivor or survivors who can splash rogue, or the Dunwich investigators that, you know, can splash from both, um, the extra, the ones that get, that can get extra actions per turn, like, you know, with quick thinking, with double or nothing, or... Um, yeah, maximize you know, or that, that, that boost. Yeah, or the Ace of Rods card that gives you an extra action with a plus two. I mean, now you're talking, you know, uh, five and then one one action at a seven is pretty good. Um, but yeah, so maximize that turn. So it's I think it's meant for something like a really big turn. So if it's, say, fighting a boss enemy... Golden I mean, Pocket Watch, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but see, is it is it worth playing a card for that situation that may never come? Yeah, you. I think you'd have to know the scenario you're playing. Uh, so if you're fighting, and especially in, say, like I can understand you want to turn somebody into, a, say, a super seeker for a turn. But how many times are you investigating three times in a row that you'd benefit from that intellect boost? Yeah, well, I'm just super, thinking of a clutch play. Yeah, like one big, one big thing that can win you the game. But you're right. I mean, it, it is kind of situational, but it's a nice ace to have in your. You know, in your in your hand, in case of anything. And, and I don't mean to to beat the dead Cthulhu goat or whatever the case may be, but um, I I feel like in almost every run that I do multiplayer, because they go on for a bit, and there's a lot of different situations, that invariably somebody pulls the tentacle at the wrong time, or the fighter who's like, I'll take care of all the creatures, you all get clues, all of a sudden gets pinned in the corner, or where something happens. I think no matter what, you can use it to, to some effect, whether it be taking a bunch of tests that are nasty 
or doing special actions. I don't know. I just foresee it being more useful than just in a pinch. The the only thing I do think that this card could have used, because it does cost three to play in a, in a class that's normally a little bit poor, um, is the fact that you, you can only play it during your turn. So that's a little rough, because then you can't use it against a treachery, but, you know, survivors do have other tricks up their sleeves for that. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's I think it's a good card, and and I mean it's going to be it's it it will be useful. Um, I think as a mainly a solo player, I mean I would I would definitely play it as something to boost my intellect for sure in those investigators who are weak in that because intellect is always going to be useful because you do need to discover clues to win the game. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Quick question: If you're, if you have a treachery in your, in your area, that says you have to test at the end of your turn, and like frozen in fear, would trial by fire boost your willpower for that test? I don't think it does because okay, doesn't no. your turn end and then you have to test? Yeah. Hmm. Well, there are there any other cards that jump out at you guys? Um, I kind of like. Let's talk about. Ghastly Revelation. Ooh, the Mythos Busters <laughs> card. I was kind of hoping we'd dodge that. Uh, nope. All right, fine. All right, fine, fine. No, well, this is a fur. I I hadn't seen. I didn't know that Mythos Busters had this one. So when I saw it, I they was... talked about it in depth. But I think what would have been cool. I mean, just as a slight aside, I apologize. Go ahead. I'll, I'll tag mine on to the end of the comments. I have one thing to say, but someone go ahead and read it off so we're all on the same page. It is a Seeker card. It is free. It has the Spirit trait and two Intellect skill icons. It has the game text. Discover three clues at your location. Give any number of your clues to another investigator or place any number of your clues on any location. You are defeated and suffer one mental trauma. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Yeah. I mean... I know we talked the other day about not wanting to shit on cards, but this to me is one of those cards that I really just have to bite my tongue to, I think. <laughs> I don't know. At least it has double icons, so it, it can at least be a perception in a pinch, but I, I know we talked about it earlier, but yeah, like when have anyone, when has anyone ever played I'll See You in Hell? Other than think, for it to be funny, I think it's a little better than I than I'll see you in hell. Uh, to be fair, um, I would agree with that. But but I agree that it's just it's so situational. I mean, the icons definitely help it. Uh, you're pretty much going to be committing it unless you have like a really bad run of something in solo. I mean, it's so situational in solo. You don't want you want to move the clues that you have. Let's say if you're about to die. And you're in a victory location because what if you're killed, your your clues are going to drop, and then you don't get the victory point. So you could play that, move your clues somewhere else, and still get your victory point. But that's just so specific. Uh, in multiplayer, you know, all right, so the clues don't drop, but they go somewhere else or to to the other players or something, right? Is that right? Yeah, you that. can give them to another player. Okay, so it'll save a couple actions. I mean, but it's. You're, you have to be expecting to, to die and expecting everyone else to still be doing fairly well to continue going. I don't know. 
Yeah, it does seem so specific. Yeah. yeah, I was just I was just curious. I see you are defeated and suffer one mental trauma, and I sort of lose interest in whatever else the card does. Yeah, I have the same feeling, man. Um, one card I do like is the... Before we move on from it, though, because I wanted to say a few things. <sighs> Good try, Nate. <clears throat> um, well, at its very base, it is two book, so if that that reason doesn't come up at least you have something to help along with your deduction unexpected courage etc um i kind of wish that instead of being exactly like you know see you in hell where you instantly get defeated and and suffer some form of drama i think it would have been neat for ghastly revelation to have like a countdown like you'll be defeated in two turns or something so now you just feel this pressure because of what you've seen you're starting to lose it so, I mean, that way you've got a little more, I don't know, just have the clock going would be a really I fun I like mechanic, that idea. That's a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. That is Where cool. you're like, I'm doomed. I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to do what I don't normally do or push my luck. Um, but the other thing that would have been um, neat as well is, oh, pardon me. No, I apologize. I, got dig- I digress. We actually did a, a run recently of the Circle Undone. I'm not going to say which one or what we did is not to spoil it but the seeker had like eight clues on them and was one sanity and one uh, health away from dying and we needed the the clues off that person and he wasn't gonna be able to to do what we needed and that card would have been great to just kind of shuffle them off and make sure we as a group pass but it's also a quick exit if you're you know if, if you're gonna take a a health uh, trauma or something. I don't know. I'm not saying that it's a good card. I'm not saying that I would use it a lot. But I think that it has some possibility and I kind of like the, the alternate option of it. That's all I wanted to say. I would kind of like it actually if, speaking of changes I would make, I would I would kind of like it if it if you could place the clues on any location or like scenario card for those situations where you place clues on uh which one is it like uh the second scenario in path to carcosa last oh um the last king last king where you have to place like the the clues on the uh act card at the end or something like that like there are situations where sometimes you have to place clues on agenda on agenda or act cards so it might be and your victory points depend on how many clues you've got so that might be i might have been tempted more by it if it if it lets you do that in certain scenarios but it's still pretty narrow i like the idea of the countdown thing that nathan mentioned but it's just yeah i eh, you are defeated and that just makes me sad um what about bait and switch? We didn't talk about that. Um, finally, season upgrade from, I believe, it was from Dunwich. Yes, from the base yes. box. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is a one cost event uh, with the tactic trait. It has one intellect and two agility icons. It says either choose one, evade. If you succeed and the enemy is non elite, evade the enemy and move it to a connecting location or evade use only on a non-elite enemy and 
at a connecting location. If you succeed, evade that enemy and switch locations with it. So, and it does exactly what the name implies. It bait and switches, so... Essex. Yep, very... I just Doom threw of, some in that, in that back car. <laughs> Doom of Estley, this would be amazing to switch locations with something on the way back. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, you would have all the experience with doing stuff like that, wouldn't you, man? With your recent yeah. playthrough of Joe yeah. and Roland. Yeah, being able to to swap places with an enemy in that would be pretty pretty sweet. Uh, other cards in enemy management, we got the MK1 grenades. Um, yeah, what do you all think of that compared with dynamite? I mean, I like the fact that you don't have to use it right away. And I think it's each enemy and each other investigator so you don't hit yourself. This is going to be the Zoog killer. I'm going to pack this against Zoogs. <laughs> when we get swarmed by Zoogs in the next in the next uh, cycle, this will be, like, awesome. Sure, MK1 grenades are item weapon ranged, costs three resources, four experience, has a uh, combat skill icon, uses three supplies, and if it has no supplies, you discard it. You can spend one supply to fight. You get plus two combat for this attack, and if the attack is successful, instead of its standard damage, this attack deals two damage to each enemy and each other investigator at your location. Any additional damage is dealt to the attacked enemy. So it's like Storm of Spirits, that uh, mystic card that allows you to uh, wipe out enemies at your location, uh, but it doesn't have the, uh, the special token uh, issue. You just, uh, as long as you succeed, you can hit everything at your location. Yeah, this card seems, like you said, really good with swarms. Um. Yeah, if you're if you run it, if you're got a bunch of enemies around you, as long as there's no other investigators at your location, this is going to be very handy. And the fact that you can do it three times is even better. So you could even take down you could take down like four health enemies if necessary or a six health enemy like as long as you can fire off that you can just throw grenades like crazy and even better than that is it doesn't take a hand slot that's oh, true i didn't even see that yeah, yeah. no slots makes this uh, yeah fantastic. that's very good <laughs> yep now it's got the range trait. Does that interact with any of the the range cards like marksmanship or anything like that? Uh, I think so. I think it does. Have like, to could be you throw grenades damage. into another? Let's find out. Or just the, occurred. Or to your me. favorite telescopic sight. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's on a firearm. Yeah, good thing. <laughs> that can limit that uh, to firearms. I mean, as humorous as it would be to see a scope on a grenade. <laughs> Could be a grenade launcher. <laughs> yeah, grenade launcher. That would be a... Let's see. Play when you activate fight ability on firearm or ranged asset. Yep. You can use marksmanship to throw grenades at connecting locations. That just made marksmanship a lot better. 
This attack can target an enemy at a connecting location. Ignore aloof and retaliate keywords. Attack succeeds against an enemy not engaged with you. This attack deals plus one damage. So that's why they have that additional damage is added, is goes against the attacked enemy. So you'll hit everything at the site for two, and then the attacked enemy, you uh, you get to hit uh, for three. Is um, I don't have it in front of me. Is marksmanship a tactic? Uh, it is a tactic. So you could put it on stick to the plan. Yes. So, so now marksmanship actually is decent, because you can just have it sit there until your grenades come up, and you'll instantly have marksmanship for it. That's great. Yeah. 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 I, and that, yeah, grenades are even better than I thought. So, yeah, marksmanship, I, I mean, it's sort of got mixed, mixed reviews in the community. But I think if you, with something like the grenades, that would be uh, where you can hit multiple enemies at once. That, uh, that's quite good. So, what do you guys think about small favor? This is the, rogue event favor service uh, has two combat skill icons it reads deal one damage to a non-elite enemy at your location and has a reaction that says when you play small favor increase its cost by two change deal one damage to deal two damage and has another reaction that says when you play small favor increase its cost by two change at your location to at a location up to two connections away so in in line with the other favor and service cards of decoy and intel report um we now have a way to uh, punch enemies from far away which is for yeah but four is a lot four four resources for two damage that's quite a bit yeah whereas uh, a dynamite blast is yeah it's five for three but is this an experience card? No. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's just feels like two damage is just not enough. And it's only non-elites too. <clears throat> oh, yeah. oh, that's bad. So yeah, you're not going to be able to use this to ping, ping big guys with. Yeah, you'll be you'll be committing it for two icons at that point, but. So you can't you can't hang out outside the uh, the hidden chamber and small favor Silas Bishop to death. No, that would be hilarious, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, I think this one's one of the weaker. I think probably the weakest of the three. What, what do you guys think? I mean, obviously, Intel Report has to be the best one. Yeah, yeah. Intel is definitely the best. I do like Decoy because rogues tend to play more of an evasion. Like, the rogues I play anyway tend to play more evasion than combat. Yeah, I do. I, I do guess, too. I guess it would really depend. Like, you would need somebody who can afford to pay. Like this one, I guess this one. Maybe you don't end up spending the full six on this as often as you might with the other ones. Like maybe you pay four to either deal two damage or to deal one damage to an enemy up to two locations away the problem is like one damage isn't going to really unless like it's a rat or something you're not yeah i was gonna it's say not gonna kill it or like that or a whippoorwill but yeah but i don't yeah, think i'd not... be playing small favor just to kill whippoorwills no but um yeah, i mean six... it's, it's interesting 
like Preston or Jenny are the ones that have the resources sort of on hand to to deal with this although I mean with cards like another day another dollar pretty much any rogue can access a lot of resources fairly quickly so I guess it yeah it it doesn't really jump out as me uh, jump out at me as a card I would immediately use but I haven't played rogue in a while so I'm probably not the best person to uh well Nathan what do you think about a small favor um I actually like it a lot it it makes me want to play a combat rogue where I just go around backstabbing people and doing stuff like just that picture alone just makes me want to uh do extra stuff but um I don't know I kind of like it and once again I don't see it as so much situational as just a fun card to play with in my deck I kind of want to play with one right now I mean it is nice that it's free damage like you can it's guaranteed damage so it's at least decent in someone like Preston who obviously can't fight things worth crap unless he's using a fire axe but um yeah I think that about covers all the cards um is there any yeah any closing thoughts for yeah I think it's a it's a looks like a pretty pretty good pack there's there's looks like each class gets something that's that's going to be quite uh i'm sort of happy i think if each class gets one card at this point so yeah i think i think each I think class this... gets a good good representation i think seeker kind of gets the short end of the stick yeah i think mm-hmm. seeker comes out on the short end here like mystics I mean, both Mystic cards are fantastic. Yeah. And both the, Guardian, the Guardian cards. cards are both really quite good. Rogues are kind of, I mean, it depends on how good Small Favor is, really. I think that even the, the Seeker cards, are, or the uh, Survivor cards, sorry, are both, will both find a home as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, so it's a good pack. I mean, it's going to be a good pack, and with only one to go, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting. We have yet to see the, um, I guess Anna Claslo is the big neutral five experience asset for this campaign, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we get any other high experience cards. We know we're getting bonded cards in the next set, but other than that, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see until next month. Um, yeah, moving on to our next topic, um, we have the fan-made investigator that I built, uh, Kate Winthrop, which I was inspired by the recent announcement of the Dead of Night expansion for Arkham 3rd Edition, as she was recently announced to be an investigator in that um, expansion for the board game. I thought it'd be neat to bring her into Arkham. So I went ahead and did just as such. Um, so I'll go ahead and read off uh, Kate Winthrop for you guys here. Um, she is a two willpower, four intellect, two combat, three agility investigator. Uh, she is the scientist. She has the miskatonic trait. She has a reaction that says, after you place a resource on dimensional study, you may test intellect four. If you succeed, discover one clue at your location. Limit once per round. Her elder sign reads plus two, and you may ready either dimensional study or flux stabilizer. She has six health and nine sanity. 
And for her deck building options, she has Seeker cards 0 through 5, Neutral cards 0 through 5, Mystic cards 0 to 1, and Science cards 0 to 4. Um, moving on to her signature cards here, we'll start with Dimensional Study, which is a permanent card. It has an action that reads, discard the top card of the encounter deck. If it was a treachery card, um, place one resource on this card, and then it has a free action that says, spend X resources and exhaust Dimensional Study. Look at the top X cards of the encounter deck, put one of those cards on the top and the rest on the bottom of the encounter deck in a random order, where X is the number of resources spent when using this ability. Her other signature card is the Flux Stabilizer, which is a three cost asset bearing one willpower, one agility, and one wild skill icon. It has the item, science, and tool traits, takes up the body slot, comes into play with three uses, and has an action that says exhaust Flux Stabilizer and spend a charge automatically evade a non-elite enemy and rather than exhausting the enemy you may choose to disengage from it and move one move that enemy one connected location away and finally to round off this word soup here we have failed experiment which is kate's signature weakness it has the mystery and terror traits and it reads revelation shuffle the encounter deck discard pile into the encounter deck draw the top card of the encounter deck if you draw treachery and it has a skill test printed on it. That test gains plus two difficulty and, if you fail, take two horror. If you draw an enemy, it spawns engaged with you and makes an immediate attack. So, I had some feedback from people on our Discord as well as people on the Mythos Busters Discord. Um, kind of shooting some ideas. The intention behind Kate was to make an investigator that wanted to manipulate the encounter deck and be able to get some sort of benefit and i figured uh seekers would obviously want to be getting clues so that that was kind of the direction i decided to take kate yeah but you were set on making a uh a seeker from the get-go um traditionally kate has been a seeker so it was more just fitting to Kate as a character than it was um, specifically wanting to design a Seeker. Um, yeah, so just wanted to pick your guys' brain about um, what uh, what you guys think of Kate and how, how you would go about building a Kate Winthrop deck if she was a real investigator. So she has a lot of... Um similarities in terms of being a seeker and a mystic kind of uh at least initially to to someone like uh norman in terms of the deck building at least uh and daisy so level zero deck uh she's pretty much got the same card pool except for the she can add signs cards mm -hmm. that was uh, intentional because they're all miskatonic traded too so oh that's cool <laughs> yeah um i i like her deck building and I like her um, her signature cards. I think they're all really flavorful and cool. Um, for her, uh, I think um, we were talking earlier because her willpower is lower. Um, you're kind of steered away from the standard mystic spell cards, so focusing on the events I think would be good, and then uh, capitalizing on the seeker 
cards that will help boost her intellect and maximize her clue gathering that way. So maybe we can start with the asset slots and then go from there for her deck building. Yeah, because, you know, the only slot that you have taken up is the body slot with the flux stabilizer. So you have a lot of... Um a lot of free room in terms of what you can do um obviously she's not very good with cards like shriveling or sixth sense or right of seeking or anything like that that relies on a high willpower so for her uh, ability we want since we're manipulating the the uh, encounter deck you'd probably want scrying right because I see dimensional study as an action requires an action to look at the top card of the encounter deck. Yep. So if you're blindly looking at the encounter deck, you if you're taking an action to me, I I mean I'd want to be pretty sure I was going to pull a treachery to trigger her to put a resource on her. Yeah, to be able to get a clue. Yep. Yeah. So that that would be the main goal. And then you'd have to test four intellect so that's going to require uh you'd need to probably six intellect reasonably so she's gonna she's gonna need some intellect boosters in order to get her to be able to reasonably do this so probably i mean dr mylan christopher for one I mean, I'm looking at the science cards here, and the only science ally is the lab assistant, who gives her two cards, but that's about it. And I don't think she really... The lab assistant doesn't really offer her anything. No, I mean, unless you were playing with higher ed and you needed cards in your hand. Um, but, yeah, other than that... The science cards is admittedly more flavor text, just because she's yeah. a scientist, but... yeah. So with the, like, magnifying glasses wouldn't help her because they wouldn't help her with that skill test. Correct, yep. So she'd need, does the Hawkeye folding camera help her? Yes, because I believe that's just a blanket plus one intellect. Plus one intellect, yeah, okay. And it's nice because you can, you can trigger both of those things kind of at the same time where you, you test with Kate, get the clue, get the last clue, get a... Uh, you know, get another trigger off of your Hawkeye folding camera, and from there, kind of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she she might also be good with something like uh, Saint Hebert's Key. So why would I'm just going to play devil's advocate here for a minute? But so basically, you look at the top card of the encounter deck. If it's a treachery, you have a chance to discover a clue for an action. So why wouldn't she just investigate like a regular investigator? Like, is there a benefit for her to do it to like the clue? I guess the resources go on dimensional study and then she can use it to rig the encounter deck. Yep. So that's part of the intention. And then another, um, portion of it too was, um, say you were at a location that had really high shroud and, you weren't able to investigate that way, like a six or an eight. Um, it's also useful for haunted locations since it's not an investigate action. You can just right. discover clues that way. Um, or things that say you can't investigate this turn, you can still use dimensional study to get clues. Okay. Um, yeah. So, All right. so there's minor uses for it. Um, 
and the the biggest strength of it is more just I wanted to create an investigator that would manipulate the encounter deck but also be able to still do their primary function because I think that's kind of the biggest weakness out of trying to go for a strategy like that it's similar to Jim and manipulating the encounter deck or the chaos bag where it can feel like you're not really doing anything mm-hmm so Alyssa Graham would let her look at the top and she gets the book and she gets another intellect out of her. So Alyssa's probably a better ally than than Christopher is for sure. Definitely. I was thinking... So you'd, you'd play two Alyssa for sure. I was thinking for ally either Alyssa, Mr. Rook, or uh, Maleson. Um, Mr. Rook at least also has... Um, kind of synergy because one of her signature cards uses charges and Mr. Oak uses secrets so you could use enraptured to you know with for the intellect pip and if you succeed you can add a charge or a secret you can add it to Mr. Rook or you can add it to her flux capacity or a flux um not capacitor stabilizer <laughs> stabilizer yeah <laughs> it's back to the future um, yeah <laughs> uh so but I think, I think, Len, you're right, uh, Alyssa Graham seems to fit better because that permanent plus one intellect is something she definitely could use. Yeah, and I mean, Alyssa gives her an... I mean, she always knows what's the top card of the encounter deck is. And then if she doesn't like it, she has the option to move it. Okay, so, uh, so Hawkeye folding camera for hand slot. Anything else for hand slot? Old, old Book of Lore, you think, or...? Do you think um, she would want something a little bit more like a fingerprint kit, maybe? You could potentially run Scroll of Secrets if you really wanted to go heavy into that. Like, look at the encounter deck. Um, magnifying glass or flashlight are good choices, depending on so if the Alyssa scenario you're playing. And Scroll of Secrets, I think. Yeah, I think Scroll Secrets would be a good addition for Hand Slot. Um, all right, so we got Hand Slot. So we got Hawkeye Folding Camera, and we have Scroll Secrets, Ally Slot, Alyssa Graham. Do we want to shoot for another ally or not? Mm, I mean, you could tentatively put in Milan Christopher for the time being. Okay, it's never uh, a bad thing to have. Arcane Slot. Um... Hmm. Maybe scrying? I, I, maybe. But I think that, I think that's redundant with, between Alyssa and Scroll Secrets, I think we, and her signatures. Yeah, that's perhaps true. Scrying costs an action too, so it's. So maybe nothing for the arcane slot. I would say clarity of mind, but she has nine, nine, um, Sanity, so she really won't need that. Uh, are there skill cards we want? Do we want like things like perception and unexpected courage to push us into the six territory? Yeah. Definitely perception. Um, I think with scroll secrets and her signature card, I think enraptured would be even though it's only one one pip. Uh, definitely could help because you know that extra charge can make a big difference um, mm-hmm. yeah I could see that I don't think that Kate would 
would be a very resource hungry investigator. So I don't think we need cards like Crack the Case or Emergency Cash. What do you guys well, think about I that? I think Crack the Case is probably a good idea. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons why. She has, so if, if we're looking to put uh, St. Hubert's Key as her accessory, that's that costs four. Milan Christopher costs four. If, if we get Milan out, then I think that's, then she'll be fine for resources. But Alyssa costs four, uh, I believe. Uh, the Hawkeye uh, costs two, but the fingerprint kit, if we go with that, that's going to cost four. So that's some, that's some big cost items, and we haven't gotten to events yet. So I think she does need a little bit of resource generation in case she doesn't pull Milan. Crack the case. Uh, she'll be investigating anyways, and it's a fast action. So she won't need to use an action to gain the resources. So events package. Uh, what what type of events do we want to put in? We we know crack the case is one. That's so I think that's all we need for a resource generation event, right? Mm -hmm. So for events, what what is our goal for our events? Well, I was thinking that she would definitely make good use of cards like deny existence and ward of protection. And she's already kind of manipulating the encounter deck, so if she oh, happens. Yeah, so she happens to draw something she doesn't particularly care for. She can discard it, or then... <laughs> do you think Do you think when she levels up um, that it would be overkill to add... Um, oh, what is that card that's exactly like Word of Protection, but you drop a clue for Seekers? Forewarned? Forewarned. Do you think having two of that and two wards and two Deny Existence would be overkill? <laughs> um yeah that's a lot of cancellation um just checking to see what like when she looks at the top card of the deck it doesn't go anywhere right she just looks at it no you discard it you just straight oh, okay. you, you discard so if she's discarding treacheries does she really need water protection to cancel treacheries? Um, that's a... Because if she's... Technically, she shouldn't be drawing treacheries, which means she's going to be drawing mostly enemies. Ooh. So so level zero ward isn't going to help her all that much. So if that's the case, she'll need a lot of enemy management events. And uh, she... I mean, mind over matter, obviously... And anatomical diagrams, but even I, you know, even that's not—it's not, not going to be enough. If she's pulling enemies every, a lot of enemies, that's going to be rough. Hmm. Well, there's she does have her flux stabilizer, but she needs to draw that, right? Yeah, persuasion will reshuffle the enemy, and she can manipulate the deck. But if she's discarding treacheries, then that enemy's going to come back more quickly. Oh, this is a this is a conundrum here. Um, like, like as far as seekers, like seekers are really don't have a lot of enemy enemy management. They've got persuasion, mind over matter, and um, I've got a plan which might. I mean, she'd have to go with I've got a plan because she's going to have the, she should have the clues to use it at max. 
but that's that kills two enemies anatomical diagrams even if she's got um, she's, she'll have the sanity to use it giving an enemy minus two fight and minus two evade when she's at a two or a three It'd be that's going to be get... tough maybe astral travel but then her flux stabilizer is an item and Alyssa is an ally or whichever ally you go with so she's probably not traveling uh, I don't think she's really the type to I mean I think barricade has found its role in min and I don't think you're gonna see it so let's when she runs out of so clues in one location this. she's gonna have to move so why don't we re redo her this way um, we'll get her instead of uh, we'll, we'll need the Hawkeye and we'll need the um, um, St. Hubert's key right to so that will get her willpower to a decent level uh, and then what we'll have what we could do is make the events uh, just get her some free clues with like drawn to the flame which she'll be able to really use very well because of her ability to manipulate the the encounter deck uh, keep Alyssa Graham uh, and then put in some working the hunch working a hunch and um, a couple other things but make the events and skills kind of lean towards getting her willpower up to so then she can pack in some some enemy management spells whether it be miss of relay or shriveling or wither yeah it'd be some work it'd be some setup for her to get set up but she'd be able to manage enemies much more easily especially in mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's true um would you consider going into an evasion strategy and trying to just um maybe perhaps take like miss of and some some copies of like manual dexterity and try to leverage a three agility or do you think that's not worth yeah maybe if she, i mean if she was a two four two four then i think the the evasion strategy becomes a lot more realistic plus the flux stabilizer gives her um an auto evade when she needs it uh i just feel like having a two combat and a three like a two willpower and a two combat so fighting enemies is going to be rough like whether you try to so she's going to have to either use her intellect to her intellect to do it but i mean i've got a plan she'll only have two copies of that and anatomic like all the all the really good until she gets some of but I guess one of the things we, we should probably look at, I mean, because she does have access to the science trait, can she use the the strange solution? Because ideally, I mean, you'd want to get her one of the best cards for Seekers would be Acidic Icor. Yep. And that could be... You know her her form of enemy management. 
Because she's already going to want to be testing a four intellect. So you're already going to... So, yeah. So she can take the, the strange solution. So if you went strange solution, um, two copies of that, and then added in... Um, what's the what's that card from is it threads that gives her she can upgrade oh yeah but that's uh, upgrading strange solution with that is yes yeah. risky game yeah so that's not going to really but yeah if she could get acidic i core then she'd be in she'd be in much better shape in terms of enemy management and when she can upgrade to uh higher education she gets both willpower and an intellect yeah i also kind of kept that in mind too like if i didn't want her to start with a four willpower because that just kind of makes her like daisy 2.0 or a norman 2.0 and you know i didn't didn't want to give her a four agility to have her play similar to ursula so I tried mm -hmm. to tried to make it unique and challenging in that regard, so it sounds like I. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting problem when you. Because I think the way I would I would tend to build a deck is I would look at her special ability and I'd be like, okay, how can I trigger this every round? Mm -hmm. And then I'd be going from there. Right. And then. I'd be looking at how, okay, so if I draw, an, I'm going to be drawing enemies because I'm discarding treachery, so I need some way to either fight them or evade them. And I guess in multiplayer, you'd probably need somebody to help her out. Like she'd be pulling the enemies out and some guardian would be whacking them for her. In solo, like she seems like a very much like a support investigator to me. So in solo, it'd be a, a little trickier until she got some experience points. Yeah, that seems that's definitely on point, as that's kind of the intention that I. But I mean, you could also maybe try um, if you play the evasion game she does have access to emergency aid because it's a science card so she may maybe you just go healing maybe she could be the type of investigator who just takes the hits and tries to heal through it and then you can use the clarity of mind for her spell slot and heal horror and health with emergency aid and yeah it could work like she also has first aid as well so I don't know if it, if it, there is an investigator who exists that can do that sort of thing. I guess, like, Carolyn kind of, but, yeah. But, but Kate brings an interesting aspect to it, as she can... She can get annoying treacheries out of the way for your guardian, who doesn't want to deal with rotting remains every turn. But Kate is... Uh, obviously glad to do something like that and then get free clues out of the deal so um yeah i definitely i i designed her with more of a multiplayer aspect in mind um as i feel like designing designing a mechanic that deals around the encounter deck in solo feels um not i guess the that's 
difficult to phrase. It, it kind of makes the game unfun, like you're kind of sapping the fun out of the game by knowing exactly what you're going to draw. It, you know, sucks all of the... Yeah, you do need to be very careful with, uh, with it, for sure. I mean, and I think so far um, the designers have been very wary of sort of giving the the blanket uh, control over the encounter deck that where to the point where it would get abusive and you could simply lock it down and never have to worry about it but um, yeah. I like challenges like like uh, your build for Kate uh, investigators like that are you know she's not she's challenging she's not weak she's just like a puzzle to solve and you know i, I i'm actually going to try out some different builds and see how you know how we can get her to work at some point and uh i'll definitely uh probably bring some findings for the next episode to see what's worked for me with her and what hasn't well that'd be neat i'd appreciate that yeah we can kind of yeah. bounce bounce ideas it's what it's Oh, sorry, just, yeah, it's what makes me like Carolyn so much, is she's she's not the easiest to build for, but she has so many possibilities. I feel like Kate has a similar type of of situation, um, where, you know, like, there, there's different ways, different directions you can take her build, um, that can go completely opposite directions, but somehow still work, uh, if you do it just right. Mm. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely very, very cool. I like, I like your build for her or your uh, creation. So did they, did they change Kate around from Arkham Horror two point to three point Because I think in, if I remember correctly, in two point her flux stabilizer stopped enemies. Yes, uh, I believe in Eldritch Horror, the flux stabilizer lets you, um, it lets you push enemies away. So I, mm. I tried to I tried my best to just kind of recreate a similar thing in Arkham. I wasn't really sure exactly how to word it. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that that was the essentially the intent that I was that I had behind designing the oh, flux okay. stabilizer. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So moving on from my fan-made creations to other people's fan-made creations. Nathan, what do you got on the docket for us tonight? I have so many things on this docket. But yeah, uh, just as a final coup de grace of sorts, once again, I appreciate you sharing your investigator, fleshing it out, be willing to take criticism, and like Vase, I look forward to um, making some decks to deal with her particular set of skills. So once again, good job on creating her and making it a challenge. Um, so I am going to be going over um, Frozen Tracks, which is by Nicholas Corey. Um, for those of you in the community that don't know Nicholas Corey, he is a member of Mythos Busters. Uh, but he's got a lot going on. He's an author. He does uh, live action performances. Um He's written some books that are on uh, Kindle, like the Cybersaurus books and Astral Tide. So, I mean, 
he's got a lot going on. And the reason I bring this up is because when he made Frozen Tracks, Stranded in the Urals, and The Forgotten Village, the three um, adventures of the Winter Winds campaigns, like the writing's solid, the gameplay is pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And let me um, just read the little intro here for Frozen Tracks. The train, I can't say all these words right, the train out of Yekaterinburg didn't have many passengers, a group of wilderness explorers looking to brave the perils of the Ural Mountains. Pitor Torowski, your employer, and you, hired to help Pitor as he transported the valuable jewel of the winter winds through the cold reaches of Russia. You take solace in the fact that his job was easy money. Uh, until the second night of the trip, you were awakened by the scream of terror. You stumble out of your bunk to find another passenger has come across the body of Pitor Tarkowski, stabbed to death in the cold night. And what's worse, his luggage lies open in disarray. The jewel of the winter winds is missing. And that gets you going for a Essex-esque uh, adventure. Not quite the same, but uh, you get to have fun on a train, let's just say. And then um, you eventually have to stop your, your uh, train passage up the mountain and a bunch of other things. And so I'm not going to spoil the next two things. But um, solid writing, lots of fun. I, I appreciate Nicholas sharing all those with the community before he got really busy. And uh, if you do want to check them out, you can find them on ArkhamCentral.com where you can find fan-made fiction, blogs, podcasts, and crafters. Is it, is it, uh, does it have the urgency of, um, Essex? County? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh no, well, okay. That's does it have urgency? Yes. Because cultists abound. Does it have the same type of, you know, foot to the gas pedal as, uh, Essex? No. Hmm. Very cool. Um, there, there is a YouTuber who does playthroughs of um, family. I saw scenarios. that. Yeah, big stupid grin, That's really cool. and he he's done this campaign, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So if anyone's interested in watching a playthrough of this and doesn't mind being spoiled slightly, uh, the big stupid grin YouTube channel is one that you you guys can look out for. Ooh, I'll have to send him a copy of mine. Um, side note: We're going to be getting together this Wednesday. When I get back from a little family trip to the gorge, and uh, Andrew Migliori and myself are going to be finalizing the last touches on the lurker in the lobby fan-made scenario that I did with him for the last Ooh. year's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft Film Fest, and hopefully putting it up uh, for free pretty darn soon up on Arkham Central. It's a fun one. Very cool. That sounds like fun, if you like train. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm curious about one thing you said about Nick when when you say he does live live action performances. Uh-huh. Does he like reenact action movies or something? As or in like live uh, plays and stuff, community theater. Oh, theater. Per okay. All right. God, I was yeah. completely on a different track. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> oh man. So, do you have trivia for us tonight? I do, and uh, due to technical wonderful difficulties where I can no longer hear everybody in channel, what we're going to do is we're going to type. So if somebody could make sure that you type that out so that everyone can read it. Um, 
uh, how how to do this? I guess I guess the man from Lang can't play this week. It'll just be you two. Or the man. From <laughs> well, he already he already got six points right out of five. I guess what we can do is I'll do something for the listeners slash for you two and the man from Lang. We can pause for a moment before the answer, and he can, as he's listening to this later, uh, shout the answers out and see if he would have won. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's All do right, it. All right, do you want to let him know that we're going to ghost him for this, uh, being as that I can't see him or hear him? Yeah, we're good to go here. Yeah. Or, or if somebody really wants to, you can type out the question as I read it. All right, here we go. All right, these are all going to be did you notice uh, trivia questions. I have in my hand seven cards, and I'm simply going to ask a question about did you notice something in the picture to find out how much you really pay attention to some of these. So it's so like the, true or false, so it's a yes or no. No, it's more like shut the hell up because I'm reading some things out loud. All right, <laughs> so flashlight, uh, for one point, tell me what is in his hand. A flashlight. Correct. Now, for two points, tell me what is in his other hand. Ooh. Oh, man. Shit. Is someone <laughs> typing this out for Lang? Well, that's a good question. I know. Why do you think I asked it? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Would it be a gun? Oh, we got Vase going with the gun. Nader Lang, uh, any input? Oh, uh, man, I got nothing. Okay, so that's zero for you, zero for I'm, base. Oh, Let me know if Lang says anything. It's like a sailor guy, so maybe he's got something to do, like a fishing rod. I, would, I think I would remember a fishing rod. Okay, this is inappropriate. This is a family channel about Lovecraft. <laughs> and the answer is he has a wrench. Oh, oh, he's holding a wrench. Probably because he's come down into the bottom of the ship and been like, to hell's all this racket? Oh, this sucks. Okay, next oh. one. Uh, in the game, there's a .45 Thompson. Go ahead and write that .45 Thompson for Lang. And the question is, how many shell casings are on the floor by the .45 Thompson? Oh, are they, is it five? I want to say it's six. Corresponding to the number of ammo. Is it a trick question? I don't know, is it? Did Lang have an answer? I don't think so. Hmm. He's just checked out. He's yeah. like... Well, it's already one, so it's like it's not even oh, fair. whatever. <laughs> All right, well, the answer is two. No, it's two, fair, Nate. Two it's fair. shell casings. Two? You got points yeah. in a fair way earlier. Yeah. Two hey, the people that are listening to this have to be happy that they're getting something right when you aren't. All right, <laughs> next one. It's everybody's favorite talent, permanent relic hunter. Oh, what color is the jewel that's on the shelf of the Purple. relic hunter? Purple. I'm just guessing. I can tell. Is it gold? So we have a gold jewel or a purple jewel. Uh, Red. How many, answers, you, how many charts do we get? I could go through the fuchsia. Is Lang checked out for this whole thing? 
killing me, Smalls. All right, in that case, I'll stop asking if he's going to answer. It is, in fact, red, but I'm not giving it to you, oh, Mr. Purple Boy. No, I, I said right. red. I'm pretty sure I'm going on to the next one for our faithful listeners that don't want to hear you yammer. Um, <laughs> next one is the knife. If anyone's played with the knife, in the background there is a poster, and on the poster it says what? I've never played with that card. Uh, have, everyone have should like, have played with that card at first. Yeah, That's probably true. I probably played with it once. You probably just went straight to Kukri and said, Upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have like a thousand copies of Knife. Uh, oh, do you? Then you should yeah. be able to answer this one question. I thought it was a newspaper. I thought it was like a newspaper clipping on the wall. It is a missing poster. Missing. Oh, like, from the newspaper. Yeah. No, it's more like its own uh, thing. Next one. We have manual dexterity. Now, we all know that manual dexterity, the person's trying to crack the safe. Here's the question. What's the name on the safe? What's the company? Man, it's easy. You were not to the P. Preston. These questions are hard. Yeah, they're not meant to be easy. You, You all glided through the last one. Plus, I didn't realize we had all this technical difficulty or I wouldn't have made them harder. It is the Phillips Safe Company. Is it the Phillips Safe? At least I'm pretty sure it's Phillips. It's hard to read. We'll just say I'm right. All right, we got two more. You're doing great. In the card Guts. Everybody knows Guts, right? Pretty much everybody plays this card. Yeah. In the Guts art, what is the main character in the, the, the... guardian of sorts what's he holding he's holding like a like a baton or something like that right it's like a vase uh yeah i thought it was some kind of bat or something but he's got a shotgun for two points Ah, what what other weapon does he have on him what a A knife what kind of knife a survival knife no, he doesn't have a knife at all. I just wanted to see how far you go down that rabbit hole base. <laughs> I, I said shovel. Uh, he has a revolver tucked in his trousers. Oh, Don't worry, you'll see this close. picture later and be like, oh, Nathan's so smart for reading things off a thing that he can see. <laughs> all right, last question and the easiest. This is a two-parter. On the card painkillers, how many painkillers does she put into her hand to take? Three? Four. Two is the answer. The next <laughs> the next part of this question is what else is on her right hand? She's wearing something on her right wrist, actually. Oh it's a it's a bracelet, right? Made it's of pearls. Hey, one point for base, and he wins it except for the fact that Man from Lang won it by apparently not not saying anything. Yeah, man. Whatever. Yeah, you're all yeah, welcome. You're all yeah, welcome. Whatever. You love it. <laughs> those, those were pretty good. That was fun. I like those scavenger hunt ones. Uh, yeah, that was... That was very hard. 
Well, I figure if Matt Newman ever deems his life so boring, he'd listen to a fifth or sixth podcast on the uh, subject that he is forced to create on a daily basis to earn an income. He might as well get some fun ones. That's very true. Yeah. Oh, man, it would be a fun time to play trivia time with Matt. uh... Ooh. (laughs) Wait, don't you... Don't you ever listen to him on his interviews? There was this one adventure. I I made it a long time ago. I don't remember now, but it involved horror and clues, uh, and then people fill in the blank. Yeah, that sounds about right. Hey, can't remember all of it. I can't blame him. That's true. I mean, you know, man's busy. He's got to do what he's got to do. Yeah. Uh, Anything else that we want to quickly mention before we close tonight's episode? Um, you do mention things like, um, things that aren't necessarily Arkham Horror, the card game related. That is true. Uh, we could, we could do that. Well, will we? you have done it. And I do know that if anyone backed the Kickstarter, Cthulhu, even death may die. Apparently the gigantic, like two foot tall, Cthulhu's with the the ruins and stuff have already shipped and people have gotten those. They had been projecting Whoa. they would be pushed out like two to three years, but they all got shipped at once. So that's kind of awesome. If you uh, Google foo those, Cthulhu, even Death May Die on um, eBay, you'll see what they look like because there's people selling for a lot of money. Yeah, it's like that's certain awesome. copies of Cthulhu Wars were an absurd amount of money when that was still first. Um, not available to the general public, so I believe it. I 100% believe that. Um, yeah, anything else you guys want to mention before we close out tonight's episode? No, I don't think so. No. no I'm excited to finally get to get a chance to play some more Arkham this weekend. But, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, just wanted to say thanks for taking the time to... Uh, take a look over my fan-made investigator and uh, thanks to our listeners for listening as always and supporting us on Patreon and doing what they do because they're cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. But with that, I think we'll close out tonight's episode. Um, As always, we've been your hosts. I'm Nate, Lost in Time and Space. I'm Man from Ling, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I am absolutely Nathan, uh, hold on, let me check the license here. Nathan Early. And with that, we uh, close out tonight's episode of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. <laughs> so much for listening. Thank you.